Hey guys, welcome to season two of The Bechtel Test. On today's episode, we talk with Boots the Monkey from Dora the Explorer. And that's not all. He's a master of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, curly hair care, and the entire field of economics. Somehow, he also finds time to be a singer-songwriter. We're so glad to be back. This is The Bechtel Test. Hey guys. Hey. Hey, Emily. Welcome back to the Bechtel test, Emily. Thanks, Sophia. Welcome back to the Bechtel test, Sophia. Hey, Simon. Simon. Welcome back to the Bechtel test. Simon, this is called the Bechtel test, so we don't really care if men have anything to say. I still don't understand what that means, (laughs) Bechtel test. Can you explain it to me? Hey, it doesn't matter. We're a non-feminist podcast with feminist hosts. Okay. How's your day, Simon? I've had a no good, terrible, very bad day. Why don't you break that down? What did break that down for you also you mind turning off the ac that's it you want to start over <laughs> she's no no go ahead okay i'm as i'm speaking i'm reaching and turning, <laughs> clicking off the ac and now okay. it's off go okay ahead. so practically i was we had to go to the um what was it activities fair today and the gym and that you know that's okay i was trying to promote the bechtel test and tiger media but it was probably 100 degrees in there, and I have uh, what you may call hyperhidrosis, so I was sweating as, like a pig. As do I. Yes. And I Sophia, don't have that, so I don't really understand Okay, it, well, but. we sweat like whores in church. <laughs> pretty much, we, um, I was just dripping, and, and people were trying to shake my hand. I was like, you don't want to touch that. So, Wait, um, who was trying to shake yeah, your hand? No, they weren't. Actually, like the one person that was interested in the Bechtel test. Oh, bro, why are we saying this? <laughs> <laughs> and by one person, he means actually all of the people. He's being yes, humble and modest. That's, yes, that's what I'm saying. Um, anyway, and then I got a nosebleed, and so I rushed out of there, and then I tried. I've been trying to get a bike for a few days now, and so I Ubered to Target to get a bike because they said they had a bike there. And on the way there, my Uber driver was like, you know, uh, I don't like talking politics, but uh, what do you think about Chris Christie? <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh my God. Why was that relevant to what's going on here? I'm in New Jersey. And he's like, well, uh, let me why. just say I know yeah. the guy. He said, I know I know Christie, and uh, my son drove him around. He was a driver. I also have met Trump before, which is, I'm not lying. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if he's That's a pathological liar. That's very for him. That's great. Yeah. And, and he was talking about the fact he's like, you know, I'm conservative, uh, but, uh, you know, that climate change is getting kind of hot. <laughs> Amen. Good for you to (laughs) figure that one out. Um, Anyway, I went to Target. They didn't have the bike I needed there, so I Ubered to a different bike shop. The guy said, "Uh, we're not going to be able to help you there with that bike. I I just don't think – I I think it might be a little bit too expensive for you. (laughs) And so I walked out of that. He said that. He said said. he's below the poverty line. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> so, I, so I went to another bike shop and then I'd paid an exorbitant amount of money for a bike. So that was fun. And then I got rained on. <laughs> and then I got another nosebleed and it nosebled oh, all, got, all over my shirt. One, all over now. my shirt. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. But, you know, they say the coolest kids get have chronic nosebleeds. <laughs> yeah. Just like ele- 11 from Can Stranger Things. That. Can we talk about the icing on the cake? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. In, let's get right in into it. So we got in. We got into our into our recording studio, as some might say. And Simon sat down. And what happened? <laughs> I in um, in a comedic fashion, my, the leg went out from under me, and I fell on the floor. 
And he couldn't get up. And I couldn't get up. <laughs> he said, help me. He said, I'm done. I'm done with today. Help he said, me. I need help. I need help. I need help. <laughs> and so naturally. As I was saying I need help, I was also insulting my, <laughs> my co-host because I, I just was taking my anger out on everybody. <laughs> so but I was kind of self-sabotaging. Before we helped him, we got a picture. So that's what's important Yeah, here. that, so that, that we always need the content. I so. immediately stood up and said, what can I do? Oh, no. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but while you're just standing over there, She's what can empath. I do? <laughs> <laughs> an empath. <laughs> guys, guys, enough of this. Enough okay. of us. Let's swivel to who we have on the pod today. Today on the podcast, we have a superstar. Who is it? He's skilled in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He just released an EP, and I don't really know what that stands for, but extended something. He'll tell us. He'll tell us. He spent the summer in Turkey. He might have taught your kids Spanish. That's right. He voiced Boots the Monkey in Dora the Explorer as a child. And you guessed it. He's also a sophomore at Princeton studying economics. It's Coda Gersoy, if that's how you pronounce your last name. Yeah! yeah! Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. And honestly, it's such a pleasure, Coda. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous to yeah. be around you. Um, I was we were before the podcast. We were talking about he's he is so much um, experience in like voice acting that he just knows so much more about like microphones and everything than mm -hmm. we do. <laughs> and I'm and I'm scared to use one in front of him. No, no, it's pretty simple. No, I'm very comfortable now. This is like in my space with the headphones on in front of the microphone. This is great. So wow. well, tell <laughs> don't be nervous. If there's too much mucus in my voice. Just tell me. Yeah, yeah. just be honest. Just give us the most honest critiques you can. After you got this. As yeah, we go, as we go. Also, please what does do. EP mean? What's the inside scoop on that? It what? means extended play, which oh. doesn't quite make sense because LP, which is longer, means longer. long play. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know why that is, but that's what it is. <laughs> Was it extended from just one single or something? I guess maybe it's that. Maybe okay. it's extended from a single. Interesting. Okay. Um, Coda, well, first of all, is it really raining outside? No, I think someone's in the bathroom right behind oh, us. Oh, and, and they're, 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 they're making some noise in there. They're, noise. Having, they're having a good time. <laughs> um, Coda, according to IMDB, your first role was Tommy on one episode of Tickety Talk. How did you get into voice acting and how did you land that first role? So IMDb kind of did me dirty because uh, Tommy was the main character of Tickety Talk and it ran for two seasons and I was Tommy the whole time. So I don't know what IMDb is on. IMDb is a little bit. <laughs> wow. Well, I know, right? You, I know. I'm going to have to send an email. But what? No, no, no. So, um, yeah, Tommy was the first major role I got. And I'll okay. talk about kind of how I got into acting because it was very soon after that that I booked Tickety Talk. Um, when I was young, I went to this private school where I lived in Long Island, and one of my friends there had done acting since she was very little. Okay. And um, the summer between first and second grade, her mom said to my mom, I think your son would be really good at voice acting because I was very personable. It was easy for me to you know, talk to adults as you know, seven-year-old, mm -hmm. and I was able to read uh, very fluently as mm -hmm. though I were speaking. And that's really what you want when you're a child voice actor that's that young. So she recommended me to an agent. That August, I went, I interviewed with the agent who turned out to be um, the head of the biggest kids VO department of any agency in uh, America, Abrams wow. Artist at the time. And she liked me, so she signed me and I started going out on auditions. Now, I booked a couple of small things pretty quickly. I was like an extra on Team Umizoomi, and I'd done a couple things like that. Team Umizoomi? I'm I know freaking out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I did more stuff for them later. When I, my first, I think it was my first job ever was I did like a live action extra. They had those like, like real kids type oh. thing. 
And then later on, they called me in a bunch of times for just various mm-hmm. voices when they would need, like a kid would lose a tooth and talk with a lisp, and then I would be their voice, like that type of thing. Well, but how 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 would you like reenact random kids' voices? Um, or would so, you just be yourself? So you wouldn't reenact their voices. The, the idea would be, and... It was hard and like not perfect because you can't perfectly uh, do dubbing for a real person. Right. But um, the idea was you want to make it match their, what we say, lip flap as much as possible. So as their mouth moves, your mouth needs to move. So the sound needs to match that. It doesn't need to have the same timbre or anything as their actual voice. What's more important is that the visuals match up with the audio. Lip flapping. Yeah. Oh. I'm, very, I'm very familiar with lip flaps. <laughs> okay. okay. So anyways, yeah. So, so Tommy, uh, it was like three months later. It was November. Um, I was in the city for an audition and uh, my mom got a call and it was that I got a scratch test for the show. What, what a scratch what test. So a scratch test is when uh, a production company wants to book you for a show, but before they actually give you the contract, um, they want to test on a full episode how you are to work with and how your voice actually fits in. So they do what's called a scratch test. You go in as a voice actor and you do an entire episode. You record a whole episode of the show as the character that you're scratch testing for. And then um, if they like you, then they give you the job. And most of the time, I only have... uh, knowledge of one time that anyone got a scratch test and didn't actually get the booking. Uh, but it's kind of like the last line of defense before they actually give right. you a contract. Like, you're like you, you, must, a whole season. you must suck if, if you like, didn't <laughs> yeah. pass the scratch Do test. Do you know why that person didn't catch the, or pass the scratch test? Catch, catch, catch the, the scratch? scratch. <laughs> yeah, right? So there's actually, so um, this case was actually very interesting. So sometimes what happens, this is my brother. My brother's also voice actor. Whoa! Whoa! You're I, I don't mean, him out! I don't mean you suck. I mean, like, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's no, no, no. So the the reason it happened, um, maybe, maybe if it's just you doing the scratch test for like a new show, maybe you suck. But this this one was um, he was auditioning for Bubble Guppies. Okay. And he was going to be uh, Gil, but specifically, some sometimes shows will do this where for kids they have one voice actor that does the speaking lines, and when they have songs they have another another voice actor sing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my brother was going to be the singing voice for Gil. Oh. So they loved him. They were like, okay, we we're going to do scratch test. They do scratch test. When they listened to it back, they did everything to put the show together. They said, okay, I think your voice doesn't sound enough like the speaking voice of Gil okay. that it makes sense. Oh. And so for that reason, they didn't book him as, right. uh, on the contract. So really, it was the speaker's fault. They should have yeah, gotten I, th- I, I blame him. I, yeah. Yeah, I blame the speaker for sure. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Wait, so your brother, he's littler than you or older? Yeah, he's three years younger than me. And so... He presumably got into voice acting because of you. Yes. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. Is he still doing it? Um, no, he stopped recently because he's he's now also in high school. I, I stopped when I got to high school, so did he. Okay. So, I see. Kind of that. Yeah. Did he start earlier than you then, or did he start at the same age as you? Like he actually, yeah, I think he started at the same age as me, so like okay. starting second grade. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And was it like purely he was like I want to do voice acting, or were your parents like you know? Uh, Coda's having a great time voice acting. Like, why don't you get into it too? <laughs> no, he did want to do it. Okay. He ended up in like when he got a little older and kind of middle school, liking it less than I did. Mm-hmm. But at the start, he really wanted to do it because I mean it was really cool. And honestly, it's kind of abnormal. Like I, I didn't really like have a huge dream. I'm going to be on this show as mm-hmm. this voice or anything. But it just kind of so happened that. I got these jobs and I, I had these characteristics they were looking for. And so um, my brother saw that I was having I was I was having a lot of fun. And so he was like, let me try it, too. And then he also had a lot of success. So it was very wow. cool. Awesome. And so what do you like about voice acting so much? Um, it's just you you get this really cool opportunity to almost 
be a character in something without having to for me, I get a lot of anxiety when I'm doing live action stuff. Sure. I don't like Broadway as much. I don't like on camera as much. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have to deal with like my appearance and all of these things, and that's harder for me. But I get to be essentially just as much a part of telling the story, being this character, adding my life to this you know, animated figure um, as I would if I were being a character on, on, on television. And I just really love it. Like my favorite, one of my favorite things was... Um, seeing the early stages of animation with my voice when they're animating mm. around my voice. Oh, yeah. It's so cool to see a character that's like built around your sound. And I'm like, oh my gosh, mm. that's something that I did. And now it's being given life by these animators. It's just, it's it's like miraculous. So, so. W- what is your like preparation for a voice acting role like? And then what is your day-to-day um, usually like? And I know if it, it might change based on the show you're in. But. Oh yeah. So um, in terms of preparation, there's not that much preparation that I do. And the reason is, well, I did. And the reason is because when you're a child voice actor, most of the time when they hire you, they're hiring you for your natural voice mm. or, or just some slight variation right. on your natural voice. It's, it's, it's not like when you're an adult, you become a character actor mm-hmm. and you're changing yeah. your voice drastically. So for me, I would just have to go over the script, be comfortable enough reading everything that I was, I could fluently say it. I could, you know, give a couple of different takes in, in different styles. Um, but besides that, there wasn't much preparation beforehand. Now, for recordings, like what my day looked like, um, depending on the show, while you're recording a season, you typically go in once or twice a week. And I lived on Long Island, so I took the train into Manhattan where we recorded. I would walk up. Um, Is this like little seven-year-old Coda by himself? <laughs> no, no, Brief no. Briefcase in hand. I'm going to make it big. Right? <laughs> um, no, my mom was with me. Okay. And um, so, so we went to the studio and... Again, every show varies in kind of how long they take because sometimes it'll also depend on whether this show is half episodes. Sometimes you'll have two episodes in a show, like Phineas and Ferb, mm. or it'll be a full episode. So Dora was a full episode. Tickety Talk was half episodes. Okay. Um, but normally you'd be recording for like two and a half, three hours. Um, if you're going over like a meal time, the studio or the production company pays for it, uh, is required to pay for a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get food and stuff, but it's it's really, honestly, in my opinion, quite relaxed. Mm. Um, it's just you, the audio engineer, and the voice director. And so you're, you're just going through, you're doing all the lines uh, a couple of times, and, and it's, it's chill, you get, you get to have fun with it, um, and it's not really high stress. So that's, it's, that's, that's kind of the, what the day-to-day would be like. Um, I don't know if we mentioned, I was homeschooled because of this acting, okay. starting in third oh, grade. Right. Okay. And um, so I would be doing school kind of around this. Mm. if it was a morning recording kind of on the train there on the train back and then a little bit at home in the evening uh if it was an evening recording i'd get done with school then leave and and do the evening recording and um so i just had to be really flexible Mm. be willing to do you know more work on a day that there wasn't uh, a recording and and kind of do it in like awkward places like on the seat of the lirr how do you feel about homeschooling in that in that way do you feel like it was it limited you in some way or, or do you think it worked really well for you i don't think it limited me to be honest and the reason why is um, I still had a lot of outlets for social interaction. Mm. So homeschooling, and, and also my mom was a really good teacher. She has like a degree in teaching and stuff. Oh, so, like, oh, so she, oh. Led, she, she led you through yeah, homeschooling. Yeah, so she, she homeschooled year. me, at least until I was a little older. And so um, in terms of academics, there was no problem. In fact, I was able to go like more advanced than I was at school. Um, the social aspect was also pretty good because I had gone to school beforehand, so okay. I had a lot of friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had some other outlets, whatever I was doing, activities and that type of stuff. Mm. So... I know I know some people who homeschooled their entire uh, like academic career, and it can be tough because yeah. you don't really have an, an avenue to make friends. They're weird, no. <laughs> some of them, some of them. Okay. Um, what are their names? 
Uh, I'll tell you after the show. Okay. And, but anyways, but because I had made the friends beforehand, it was it was pretty easy to, to stay in touch and, and be able to see people and, mm-hmm. and keep up with that. So I really enjoyed it while I was doing it. Wow. Was your mom the one that like um, suggested the homeschooling or was it like... So, yeah, we so I went to school the first year that I was doing voice acting. And in that year, I booked Tickety Talk and I also booked Dora. Um, And so especially in the second half of that year, I was in the city a lot. At the time, you'd go into the city for everything, for auditions or like first stage auditions, callbacks, scratch test um, and actual booking. So I was in the city all the time and I was having to leave school early as a result. Mm -hmm. So it was very clear that especially if the rate at which I was, you know, booking stuff kept up like it was. It was just not going to be really feasible for me to 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 be in a normal academic environment no. because like, it was just an attendance issue, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so like it was, I was very sad about it initially before I yeah. started homeschooling. So it was like, this is scary. I'm right. just I'm not going to be seeing all my friends every day. That type of stuff. Yeah. But we kind of all knew that that was necessary in mm-hmm. order to keep voice yeah. acting. So. so you said most of your friends, most of your social interaction came from your friends from when you were still in school. Yeah. Now, did you have any like social interaction with the other kids like doing the voice acting? So it's interesting. Um, voice acting is unlike live action acting in that you when, normally when you record, you don't record with your castmates. You're mm. recording by yourself. Um, so most of the time when I would see people, it would just be kind of in passing between sessions. Maybe there's a couple events, like when Dora wrapped, there was a big party. Um, but most of the time you're not seeing that many people. Now there were a couple of people that I got kind of decently like levels of close friends with just because, um, we had similar kind of, we were similar ages, similar voice types. We'd see each other a lot on auditions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but beyond that, most of my close friends were, were from at home as well. Did you have any rivals? Voice acting? <laughs> like you see in the audition room and you'd give them the side eye because you know that you'd... Maps? So, <laughs> maps. <laughs> I give an interesting bit of information that's uh, the map and Swiper the Fox were voice acted by the same guy, Mark. <gasps> what? Right? That's a big right? reveal. My when mind I found is blown. That, I was like, what? Oh my God. Um, Did you meet this Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I met him a couple of times. He tended to He's record so someone. He's faced I know, right? <laughs> Fake. Um, <laughs> guiding us, but then secretly like ambushing us on the yeah. trail. You know? Wow. wow. Um, but in terms of rivals, I never had one. I, I was, you know, very chill. And, and Voice acting can be competitive because of the parents, in, like, okay. like dancing, oh, like all these things. Yeah. My mom was very chill, really didn't care at all about that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, but it can be competitive because of the parents. Um, my brother didn't necessarily have a rival, but he had this one kid that basically they kept being the last two for all of these different things, mm-hmm. including when I aged out of a show that I did. It was my brother and this one other kid that were the last two that they were selecting between to, to fill the role for the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other kid got it. So the, in, in that kind of rivalry uh, kind of existed, but I don't even think, I don't know how many times they even met each other. But, but I, I'm sure your brother's voice is much closer to your voice than this random kid. I know, right? But I don't know. I guess he, he did a lot of work to, to make it sound like mine. Something. So he was studying you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you voiced, Do- or sorry, you voiced Boots mm-hmm. on season eight of Dora. Yes. And so what was it like... Um, cause obviously someone else voiced it like season seven and prior, what was it like having to like learn their vocal intonation or what? So what's interesting is, um, every production company is different when it, when an actor ages out, some of them want a vo- voice match. Okay. For instance, uh, Gil, like I said, and there is, uh, another time my brother, uh, auditioned and got pretty far in dash for the Incredibles too. And they wanted a voice match. That's crazy. Um, but for boots, they, they just wanted a new voice. Okay. And 
They're like, okay, if it's similar, that's pretty good. People tell me my voice was the most similar to the first guy who did Boots mm -hmm. over the second guy. I was the third. Um, but I didn't really have to do voice matching. In fact, uh, until I booked the show, I didn't know what I was auditioning for. Really? Really? Yeah. How does that work? So um, I think my mom still has the sides, is what you call the little script that you get for an audition. Mm -hmm. um, in for, for, for Boots, the audition process was... I went to the agency, sometimes at your agency they do like first round auditions. Um, I read the sides for a character called Little Boy. Little Boy. <laughs> and, and then when I went to the callback, uh, that was at Nickelodeon headquarters, 1515 Broadway, uh, he was still Little Boy. <laughs> and, and then only when I got the scratch test, I walked in and they said, you're going to be Boots on Dora. And, and then I was like, oh my God. And you knew oh, who this was. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I did know. Um, you're like, you're like, who oh, is that? Who? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, just, like, I'm just an article of clothing. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very cool. What, one of the things that helped me, uh, in the callback especially, uh, I knew the voice director for Dora going in because um, for Tickety Talk, the voice director was this woman named Ratha. Mm -hmm. And she went on maternity leave very quickly into the production of Tickety Talk. And so the like substitute uh, voice director was this woman named Holly Gregory. She's quite a big name in kids' television voice voiceover. She has yeah, done. Yeah, I know. Her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's done uh, voice directing for the Backyard Agains for Dora, the whole its whole tenure, and and plenty of other shows. Mm -hmm. She's a monopoly on the whole. Episode. Right? <laughs> oh, she's everywhere. Um, she she was she did uh, a season of a show that my brother did after me. So it was oh, wow. it was really wow. really everything. But um, so I knew her from that from Tickety Talk. So not only like I was familiar with her, but I'd actually worked with her. Mm -hmm. So she knew what it was like to work with me as as right. a seven year old kid. She knew you were like an angelic yes, colleague. Yes, just to work amazing with. presence. Just oh, so yeah. easy. I feel um, it right now. Makes everything so much easier. So, anyways, <laughs> when I went to the callback, I saw her. Um, I I can't tell how much that helped my chances, but I can assume it's quite a good deal because mm -hmm. really, when you're casting a kid, it's pretty hit or miss. You you get. Yeah. A five minute callback and then you have to judge how it's going to be working with this kid for a yeah. hundred hours mm -hmm, right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm sure that played some sort of a role but yeah so that it's an is, interesting process that is so incredible um so I'm I'm very curious about the Brazilian jiu-jitsu can you walk us through how you got involved in that and, and totally what doing now <laughs> um so I started Brazilian jiu-jitsu seven years ago um it was kind of around the time that acting wasn't really slowing down yet, but I wasn't going into the city as much mm -hmm. because at that point there had been a transition where auditions were no longer held in person. More of them were MP3s. You record them and send them. Okay. That made my life so much easier mm -hmm. <laughs> because rather than going into the city literally four times a week, it's only one time a week for the one show I was doing. Okay. So I had time and I'd always wanted to do martial art and through some homeschooling like co-op thing, I'd heard, my mom had heard, of this, this place that was opening and they offered... A, a couple different martial arts, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is one that I had heard of. Um, it's really good for someone who's smaller, i.e. me. <laughs> um, and so it was something that I really wanted to try. So in November 2016, I tried a class on a Saturday, and immediately I fell in love with it. I mm -hmm. was like, this is so amazing. I have to keep doing this. We went on like a little vacation somewhere in Pennsylvania, some like farm, and then all I was thinking about was, I, I want to go back so I can try Jiu-Jitsu again. Um, so that Tuesday I went back, did more jiu-jitsu, and from then on it was just like, I fell in love. I was hooked. What about the sport do you really like love about it? Really? It's, it's the mental aspect. So it's a very physical sport. You're grappling, you're wrestling, you're doing mm -hmm. that type of stuff. But just the amount of 
technique and thought and mind games and everything that goes into it, it, there's just so much to learn. You can just keep learning and learning and learning and never stop and refine your technique in so many areas um, that it, it really is, I think, an intellectual pursuit in the same way it is a physical wow. pursuit. Interesting. Um, and so I really enjoy it for that reason. I, there's just, I can be in my room and watching instructional videos on concepts I'd never thought about in addition to, you know, hard training on the mats. And no, can you, sorry. sorry. Can you practice with just yourself or can you practice, do you have to practice with someone else? Really, most of the time you're going to practice with someone else mm -hmm. because the drills are, it's a grappling art, so it's, you're not right. striking on a bag, you're, mm -hmm. you're taking people down, doing all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. When you're by yourself, you can do a number of things. There's a lot of movements that are standard across jiu-jitsu that like you're going to want to practice in order to get good at. So there's this one thing, it's like this awkward position that you have to get get used to putting your hips and legs in for this triangle choke. But um, And there's this drill that you can, you can do for that. Um, and it helps a lot. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps in a Duh. different context. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> well, you don't have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so there are things that you can do, but really, you want you want to be with people most of the time. Yeah. Now, are there like is there like a black belt thing, or how does that work? Jiu Jitsu is an interesting martial art. The, the trajectory the trajectory of most martial arts is this: um, it takes a really long time to get a black belt, but then over time more and more gyms kind of crop up that are like, we'll give you your black belt slightly sooner. Right. Mm. And so the martial art, especially in America, this happens. The martial arts that have been in America the longest have the shortest times to get a black belt. And those are the ones in which a black belt doesn't necessarily signify mastery of the sport. And even the people who are black belts know that. It, you really have to be a very high degree of black belt mm -hmm. to have a mastery of the sport. Jiu-Jitsu is very new. It gained popularity really in the uh, 1990s and the 2000s in America. So on average, it takes 12 to 14 years even wow. to get a black belt. Yeah, I've been doing it for seven years. I'm a purple belt. There are kids belts under 16, but... What are the rankings of the belts? So for adults, I'm at 16 plus. Okay. White, blue, purple, brown, black. Okay, and halfway there. Yeah, right? And blue is the longest belt. Okay. okay. Um, the idea is white belt, you're learning the basics. And mm -hmm. by the time you get your blue belt, you should be able to hold your own against someone who's bigger than you and knows nothing. Okay. Then at blue belt you're really trying to learn the whole expanse of techniques and you wanna have a baseline understanding of kind of everything. Mm -hmm. um, then you get to purple belt and you kind of choose what your specialty is. So for me, um, I'm really good at leg locks um, because it's much easier for me as a smaller person mm -hmm. and I like attacking from the back. So okay. rather than uh, an arm lock, that type of thing, I like kind of chokes and stuff from, from behind. And- Pleasant. <laughs> yeah, right, right, it sounds fun. Um, and then brown belt, you refine that even more. You become really an expert in that one thing. By the time you're black belt, you want to be almost that level at a ton of things. Mm. Oh, gotcha. Wow. So it tends to be the case that blue belt takes the longest, and then it kind of speeds up a little bit from there. But Now, how, how do you make time for Brazilian jiu-jitsu on campus? Like, is there a jiu-jitsu community here? Totally. So jiu-jitsu is a huge deal for me, so I make sure, like, that has to be part of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the president of the club now. I, oh, okay. I didn't know this. <laughs> okay. I, I came into it uh, last year, and there was an established club, and, and there were some people that were pretty good, but because I had so much experience beforehand, mm -hmm. I was one of the most experienced people in the club. Mm -hmm. um, so already, kind of towards the end of the first semester, I was teaching. By the second semester, they were kind of ready to give me leadership because everyone was either seniors or graduating uh, grad students. Okay. Oh, wow. So myself, Lucas Mooney, um, a couple of other people, mostly freshmen, mm -hmm. um, kind of took the reins of it. And now we're we're in charge. So we practice. We have four practices a week. Wow. Naturally, each of us doesn't go to all of them. Sure. Because uh, we're teaching. We teach one or two a week. Um, but 
but it's a, it's a really good community. Um, it's it's pretty big as far as you know, kind of niche sport goes. Yeah. And what, right. what, what distinguishes Brazilian jiu-jitsu from regular jiu-jitsu? So jiu-jitsu is kind of an umbrella term that that honestly in the, in America mostly means Brazilian, but really the earliest is Japanese jiu-jitsu, okay. which is very very old. Mm-hmm. From Japanese jiu-jitsu came judo which is an art that's known for its throws. So when you see someone like grab someone's arm, throw them over their shoulder, that's mm-hmm. judo. Okay. Um, and then Brazilian jiu-jitsu came when this judo guy went to Brazil to teach judo. And this family, the Gracie family, um, took judo that they learned from this really high-level master, and they developed it over a long time into this distinct but quite somewhat similar art um, called Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Nowadays, the main difference between Brazilian and Japanese jiu-jitsu is kind of training methodology. Okay. Brazilian jiu-jitsu has a huge focus on sparring. We're a wrestling art. Like, you can spar people all day and not get injured. You're not punching people in the face, right? So why not do that? Because at the end of the day, being comfortable actually going against someone who's trying to beat you, Mm -hmm. um, not getting overwhelmed by that is as important in a self-defense situation as actually knowing the technique is, if you know what I'm saying. So um, Japanese jiu-jitsu tends to be more like uh, certain forms of karate that's like kata. Like they, they focus a lot on the, the forms and that type of stuff. Mm. But a lot of the moves are, are very similar. Okay, so you mentioned teaching jiu-jitsu. And a little birdie named Artha told me he wants to go into academia when he's older. Um, so <laughs> tell, is that true, number one? Is Artha correct? <laughs> and number two, what is it about teaching that you really love? Yeah, I do want to go into academia. I want to be an econ PhD and eventually professor. Um, I don't know. I just really love the idea of being able to learn something that's at a high level mm-hmm. and then be able to like gift someone else that knowledge. Mm. Because like for me, when I figure out something like when I figure out this hard math proof or something, or I, I learn something in econ or, or a new technique in jujitsu, I'm just like, I, I freak out like myself. I'm like, this is so exciting. Like, I, I love this. This is awesome. And so I just really want to give someone else the same feeling of learning something that is that they've never learned before that's exciting and ideally make it pretty easy for them to, to learn it and grasp the concept. So um, one of my biggest things is I want to learn things such that I can teach them to someone who doesn't know as much as I do about the topic. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, teaching is just such a fulfilling activity for me. I, I, I can't wait to, to do it in you know, jiu-jitsu and econ and all avenues. I mean, I'm already learning so much just sitting right I here know. right now with you. When like, you pulled out the historical bit about uh, Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu, I was like blown away by the fact you I knew know. like everything. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, Artha also said... He's like the epitome of econ. This is a quote. He's better than all the other econ majors. <laughs> um, so we have two econ majors sitting at yeah, our so table I, as we speak. Yeah. So, 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 I, so how, are we gonna, how are we going <laughs> to? I don't want to fight him. Yeah. I don't think. That's true. And that's true. Yeah. Uh, never mind. I take it back. <laughs> I uh, won't quite accept the best econ student characterization. Um, I I know I am good. Like I'm good at econ. I love econ, mm-hmm. but um, I can think of at least a couple people who I know are like, even smarter than I am. Like much yeah, I can I name two. <laughs> 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 um, so so yeah so, but I I do think in some regard I, I am the epitome of econ, especially modern econ. And and the reason why he says that is, um. I'm really into a number of distinct fields, all of which kind of play into high-level econ now. Like I, what? Like what? I love math and I love computer science. Okay. So, um, like a lot, my my, if you look at my classes. It almost looks like I'm like triple majoring in CS, econ, and math, at least so far, mm-hmm. because for econ grad school and just 
for my own self fulfillment, honestly, to, to be able to do the research that I want to do and, and learn the things that I want to learn, read, read the research. Um, I'm taking, I have to take really high levels of all of this stuff. But not only like do I want to do it just because like, oh, I have to do this to learn econ. Um, I really love all of these things. Wow. The reason I think that makes me somewhat the epitome of econ is because <laughs> econ, in, in, especially in a modern context, is really the intersection of all these things. Modern econ research, microeconomics, with uh, is is really really fundamentally math based nowadays. Mm-hmm. The new econ research is almost always rooted in like high levels of analysis, of probability theory, sometimes stochastic calculus. There's there's just all of these things that are that are in there. Big data, machine learning is used so much for like um, empirical economic research, econometrics and stuff that. Um, really having all these diverse interests, but then wanting to channel them into economics is kind of like the the conceit of economics at this point in history, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably why you said that. <laughs> okay. Wow. So you're a big STEM guy, mm-hmm. big Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Somehow just have like all of the knowledge. Um, <laughs> and then you also, in April of this year, released your Know Me EP, and I already forgot what EP stands for. Extended, Extended play. play. Extended play. Um, no was, me. It sounds like you're saying no me. <laughs> like a okay, never mind. <laughs> um, but I want to. I listened to it. I listened to it. It was so good, so incredible. But I was wondering, like, what does this album mean to you? So this album, it's it's awesome. It's my first uh, full EP that I've released, but mm-hmm. I've been writing songs for so long, and for me, it represented a return to really making music. I had written and published like one single in 2021 in junior year of, of high school, but because of the like how hectic senior year was and, and the start of Princeton and stuff, I had some time to like do some performances and stuff, but not really to write and produce music. I do everything myself. Like I write it, I and I, and I do all the production, the wow. actual mixing, mm-hmm. but I also do all the instrumentation. So it really takes a while, um, and so I had I had some time in March and. I was just looking back through a lot of old just files that I had, these random ideas. And like one song in particular, the title track, Know Me, which is my favorite song on the on the EP. I remembered writing part of the chorus, but I remember it sucking. I remember it being terrible. And but then when I found this file, um, I listened to it and I was like, what did I do to this song? It sounds great in this file. And then I forgot about it for two years. So I found it and then I just, you know, I kept writing and building on it and, and changing a couple things. But that happened with really um two of the four songs were just small things, little hooks that I found. Um that I had totally forgotten about, and I was like, "This is my opportunity to just really build on this." So, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. You what? said, "Oh, go ahead. No, wow, no, no. Emily, I, I want you to, to go." Okay, I thank you. you. Yeah, because earlier you said that you don't really like performing live, at least with acting, mm-hmm. but with singing, I mean, you would probably have to perform that oh, yeah. live. So, is that different for you? It is, and honestly, I'm not sure why. I think it might be that with singing, I'm portraying myself. Okay. So, in a context of being another character. I love embodying another character with voiceover, but um, I, I do like performing. Like I have no anxiety when I'm doing you know public speaking or that type of stuff, uh, and especially when it comes to to singing, it's just me trying to communicate my my song. And and that I don't know if I necessarily did a great job articulating it, but uh, it, it does feel very different from you know stage acting that type of thing for some reason. Now, can I ask you like what is your favorite line 
out of from the entire EP oh, and gosh. why. And um, you have to sing it too. <laughs> in the boots voice. <laughs> so um, my favorite line is my favorite song is Know Me, but my favorite line is from um, is from the song This Flight, and it's the kind of main line of the chorus, which is how can I keep this flight contained to you? Um, the story of that song is is really cool. I, I love that song a lot um, for its meaning. My school, like while I was at high school, there were uh, two students who took their own life. Mm. And one of them I was much more close to than the other, but I, one of them was from my from my program, the the like magnet school within a, within a bigger public school that I was in. And that's a very tight-knit community, so it hurt the community a lot. Mm-hmm. So even though I didn't know them that well, it was very, very clear the just immense impact that that had. And so I thought, I, I want to write a song about this, but it's really hard to approach a topic like that. Yeah, you want to be really respectful and and pointed, and but you want to get the message you want to get across across. So the message I took was, this has affected me a lot. It's affected other people a lot, and and it hurts so much. And I want like, what can I possibly do to prevent this type of thing from happening again? Mm-hmm. Um. So that's how can I keep this flight? The the metaphor is 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 flight is like that, like taking your own life, and okay. use the metaphor of this crow in in both the verses. But the chorus is that it's that kind of like crying out, like what what do I what can I do? Is there anything like like what what can I do? Who should I talk to? Um, I want to help people that need help, so that people don't feel like this is the last option. Mm-hmm. Um, the second line of the chorus is your bloody escape is scathing and scraping me raw. So yeah, that's my favorite line. It's I think maybe the most meaningful single line on the whole the whole EP. Um, and I was writing yeah. music for for that kind of song, but that was a difficult process. You know, it was. Choose, it know. was. I really so I when I was writing it, I had this um, chord progression that honestly was a synthesis of a lot of these different chord progressions from a lot of these different songs. It's kind of how I, I write a lot. I'm like, oh, I, lo- I love this chord, and I love this chord, and I love this melodic motif. So I had that and. I was literally sitting in my bed with one of my guitars um, and I was just playing through that chord progression over and over again. And I was just like really feeling sad and and, and um, just thinking about the chord progression and kind of writing poetry and fitting it into the chord progression at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a chord progression that I was sitting on for a long time. And then when this that, that happened and I was writing about it, it really did feel like, oh, this is the, this, this progression really worked for this. Yeah. I, it's a really good vehicle for me to be able to, to create melodies that suit the lyrics that I'm, that I'm talking about. So it worked out pretty well. Now, how on earth do you have time to like be Mr. STEM guy, also Mr. Brazilian jujitsu guy, and who also teaches other people and then also release an EP <laughs> and like do all of the production? How do you, how do you do that? So, I mean, it's interesting. Like on campus, I find time to, to write like here and there, but the production, I use my whole spring break. Wow, I went okay. home for spring break. I was in my basement. I turned one of the rooms in my basement just into a recording studio, essentially. Okay. And for the whole week, the, like from start of break to the end of break, I was just the whole day writing, writing, recording, rewriting, recording. And and it went really well. I was like, after two days, I, I had the first song and it was done. I was like, this is awesome. Let me do another one. And I was just like, I might be able to do enough of these to make an EP. And, and, it, and it turned out that I, I did. But for me, recording is 
a bulk like activity like mm-hmm. that. Like I would really like to have, you know, a, a couple days or a week that I'm like, I want this song or this these couple songs to be my whole world for wow. this for this time and make them as, as you know, as good as I'm capable of making them. Wow. Now you may not be able to share this, but are you working on anything right now? I, I have a couple of songs. I, my goal, I would like to make a full length like LP. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been considering like winter break seems like a good time to do that. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, six weeks. So, um, so I have a couple of songs that I've, you know, partially written, uh, like one or two that, that are pretty fully written. So who knows, maybe next year around the same time, but no promises. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we're approaching the end of the show. I do have one more question for you. But before we do this one question, which I was, I was someone begged and begged and begged me to ask you this question um let's do it let's do our shout out let's do our shout out segment yeah let's let's do it um so someone wanted to shout out the chunk and say keep on living i don't know what that means or who that is i know what that means so i'm we're gonna go to the next one okay (laughs) oh no that's not that's not in that's not anybody here i promise it's it's an inside joke with one of my friends from california okay awesome and it's it's inappropriate not inappropriate. <laughs> okay, I think I'm, you should. I I'm think the, you should okay, read the I'm next the chunk. One. Okay. Oh, he's the Everybody chunk. Everybody wants to know. I'm I the think chunk. we all knew that. You were obviously, the chunk. that obviously. <laughs> Go ahead. Read the next the one. Next one. It's Shout to out to you. Simon Murat. Okay, Simon, you're an inspiration and truly someone I look up to. You have godly hair and a luscious body. <laughs> Your achievements are prodigious as a 13-year-old teen mom. Oh. oh. I pretty Shout much out. has enough neurons in her cerebellum to call herself a tiger. Now as she enters middle school, I hope you can guide her towards... Okay, I really don't have time for this, guys. I, I, oh, I really Just love... read the rest. Read the rest. You are so full of yourself that you can't even accept a compliment. Okay, Say I, thank you. you. Know, I empathize try with teen moms. Yeah, okay. try thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Now as she enters middle school, I hope you can guide her towards success and happiness. Lead her up the pyramid of enlightenment and gift her to the aliens that build the pyramids of Giza. Yeah. Is that how you say that? You you Thank you it. for your service. May the holy Biden bless you. Amen. That's quite the shout out. Yeah. From And I appreciate, I appreciate you. I don't know your name. Um, Anonymous. But I'm not going to be able to help your child. I'm really busy. You know, Coda can. He seems to be able to do a lot. He can, <laughs> he can a lot. juggle a lot. So, <laughs> I'll get on that. So, <laughs> thank you, Coda, for accepting that. And I uh, hope your daughter figures some stuff out. Um, She's right about your godly hair and luscious body, though. I second that. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I thought that was <laughs> <Honestly>. obvious. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? No shit, he said. Um, Emily, you want to read, read the next one? Yeah, this next one is from a dear friend of mine, Joe Mannell, to... <laughs> me and it says i want to shout out my pookie wookie emily driver she's been the love of my life for a little over three years now the peanut butter to my jelly the pam to my gym the water to my dehydration (laughs) i'd move mountains for my little schnookums and Simon is wincing over there because I'm just he's jealous. jealous. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah, you I'm both are honest. jealous. I'm, I'm jealous. sure Coda's jealous I'm, too. Oh, you know I'm jealous. Yeah, you're all <laughs> jealous. And honestly, like none, like none of you will be able to have what me and Joe have. And that's yeah, true. You're just, you're just the Pam to his gem. I am. And that's really sweet. I am. How did how did you two meet, Emily? Um, they just had classes together. I don't even know. That's not even a good story. Uh, wow. Um, well, I love you, Joe. I'm so bored. If someone, if someone could shout out me, because both of these people yeah. got a shout out. Simon got two. Simon got two shout outs. So well, if someone could make that happen for next week, I could, you know, great. how about I just give you the chunk one? Oh, how kind of you! And that's so nice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, back to the question that I have to ask you. Another friend of the show, Braden Carroll, said. What he's he wanted to know what your hair routine is because he's very jealous <laughs> and obsessed with your hair. Um, for those people who don't know Coda, why don't you describe your hair? 
my hair's very curly um right now i like kind of been doing a middle part style but it's it's most of the time pretty pretty luscious not frizzy for curls which has taken a lot of work to to accomplish a lot of years of, of you, honing you my can't cow. use the luscious word okay yeah, that's mine. just okay, like fine, simon's fine. body coda's <laughs> <laughs> hair yeah exactly um but no yeah so my my hair routine um conditioner a lot okay um and after a shower i always use curlsmith um they're like i forget what it's called feather light like curl cream mm. oh, i um, thought i thought a curlsmith was actual person that would go to <laughs> oh yeah i like go there and they forge my hair oh wow, wow. yeah it's really interesting interesting um so it's otherwise it would be just completely straight just all the way down <laughs> oh all the way down. yeah it would be crazy <laughs> now, how long would your hair be if it was straight it would probably go down to like my chin if I pulled it down. Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. Like it goes pretty far down now. <laughs> and how wow. often do you shower? Oh um, so oh, this is actually a, a good question. Know. I know it's a good yeah. So like because I do so much jujitsu, I like mm. have to shower every day. Okay. But I don't shampoo every day. Oh. Because if I did, my hair would get really dry. Oh. So if Wouldn't you're curly, luscious. if you're you're curly and your hair is frizzy, um, you can use conditioner every day. Um, water and conditioner does a good job of 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 cleaning. Um for a day-to-day thing but and then i shampoo like three times a week three times a week this is helpful i i have curly hair not on my head um (laughs) and and so i think uh this will help me out yeah no let me know how it how things improve down there simon that'd be great It's so disgusting. Why would you say down there? I was trying to be respectful about Oh, what are we talking about? about? Oh, I just hated that whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you're That was okay. really bad. I didn't like yeah. it at all. You looked um, like you were hating it over there. Simon, do you have anything to say? Do we have time Please for this? Please say no. <laughs> do we have time for this? Give, give one piece of advice. Okay, so this is the Simon Says segment, okay? I, it's my do's and don'ts for Princeton, and I'm going to go with a don't today because my terrible, horrible note is very bad there. Um, Here's the thing. I'm complaining. Don't list classes on Tiger Hub if they are canceled, okay? You're playing with my emotions. I don't want to see that pop up and I get all excited and I'm let down, okay? It's much like another uh, popular website that ends in Hub. Do you have experience with? Yeah, it, it gets me excited and then after I'm left uh, kind of disgusted. <laughs> okay. So I wow. think that's uh, uh, what Tiger Hub does. Yeah, Wow. Thanks, Simon. Yeah. You're welcome. Wow. And that was Simon Says. <laughs> and now we need a jingle. And that was Simon Says. And you can do Get a on that, Coda. Oh, yeah, I have to write one. I'll write one. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, Coda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank, thank you for you. having me. That was amazing. amazing. Our so. first guest. My pleasure. Our first guest of season two. Something we do is we always we always rate our guests. Oh, yeah? Because um, we like to be open and communicative. You know, that's the that's centerpiece real. of an open We need to relationship. give you some feedback. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. shoot. Um, I give you one Diego, one backpack, and one map. Thank you. I You're appreciate welcome. that. You're welcome. You go. You're welcome. I'll, take I'll that give feedback. you three maps, two swipers. Okay, that's that's unique. Thank I'll you. make sure to make note of that. Yeah. And I give you a, a chokehold, joint lock, and a sweep. Okay, perfect. That's exactly what I was going for. And I a positional a- grappling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also, I'm going to throw in a lip flap in there. Oh, okay. that's already oh, awesome. That was so that good. Was a good. Thank, one. You. Thank good. you, guys. Thank you, guys. And we're going to end on that lip flap today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, guys, thank you to our listeners. Go give us a follow on Spotify. Um, and also follow us on Instagram, please. And give us a f- five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yes, and Coda, do you have anything to plug? Um, let's plug Jiu-Jitsu Club. If you want to learn Jiu-Jitsu, I'm the one teaching. Uh, so you can be the judge if I'm actually a good teacher. <laughs> Go learn from And listen, listen to Know Me. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. No listen me. to the listen to the EP. No if you space me. Go see his luscious hair <laughs> at me. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and go follow his YouTube channel. Shout out Coda. Um, we did it. We did it. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> Hooray! Hey. Okay. Thank you guys. Have Love a lip flopping day. Have a lip flopping day. Bye. 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 Bye.